today on the Blue Reds, uh, September 3rd, we have week one recap. Uh, we're going to take a look at matchups of the week. Uh, not only that, but we have our top 15 ranked list. Uh, we have our SEC teams ranked, our hot seat, and to end it off, we're going to have our playoff picture. So let's go ahead and get started. So this past weekend, we had a couple really good matchups. Um, and to kick those off, uh, we had the game of the week, which was Auburn-Oregon. Uh, Auburn pulled this one out 27-20 to versus Oregon. Uh, what, were, what were your thoughts on that, Zach? Um, well, I had front row seats for this game since I actually traveled to Dallas this week break. to, to um, watch this game. But, um, well, Oregon came out super strong in the first half. Uh, Justin Herbert did exactly what many thought he should do and showed that he is going to be a future NFL quarterback and just came out and let Oregon to two quick scoring drives and almost a third, if it wasn't for um, a fumble on a read option, it looked like that Auburn took back to the one yard line. Um, But in the second half, it seemed like Auburn's defense made some adjustments and started getting pressure and they completely shut down the running game. Oregon only had 90 yards rushing this game. Um, which was very, very surprising. And, um, and just in the end, Auburn, Auburn's defense kept them in this game and kept giving the freshman Bo Nix chances to win this game. No, and this game was a super – it was like a it was like a fresh breath of air, really, uh, on this uh, first week in college football just because, you know, we don't typically get too many good games, or not this year anyway. Uh, we've been spoiled in the years past with – with good game after good game on opening weekend. But this year it seemed like Auburn, Oregon was one of the better. Well, that was probably the best matchup. It was the only matchup between ranked teams. Um, and we see this come from behind victory for Auburn after, uh, after Oregon goes up 14 to six at the half. Um, and of course this game was capped off with, uh, you know, with, with the, uh, with the touchdown thrown, uh, in field goal range, you know, just add insult to injury for this for this Oregon team, um, and this comes from Bo Nix, who threw two interceptions in this first half. His uh, his Auburn career didn't look too promising from the start. No, it didn't, and it was suspected that there would be big, like a big growing pains for Bo Nix being a true freshman playing on a big stage like that and having to go up against, you know, one of the more experienced and talented quarterbacks in the nation. Um, And people forget that the head coach of Oregon actually coached at Alabama for many years. So he understands SEC football and the physicality and the type of talent that Auburn was going to come in with. And it just seemed like Bo Nix and the entire Auburn team just had to settle down and find that just mesh point of what we, what do they need to do and how do they need to do it? And as you saw the game go on, Auburn got the running game going. Bo Nix started finding short interme- to intermediate passes that were easy easier for him to hit. And the offensive line really picked up the protection, which is I think was the he was the most big difference in the second half. Right. And you mentioned that you were at this game, uh, and this is kind of just out of curiosity, but what's the energy at one of these neutral sites for a kickoff game? Uh, on uh, a 
Well, coming into it, um, a lot of people thought Auburn fans were going to dominate the stadium just because of the different distances. But I'm here to tell you, Oregon, Oregon fans show up to games, and they are loud. They are energetic. The energy was radiating through the building from kickoff, and especially as the game came down to the last few seconds, I mean, it was deafening in there. And once once Nix threw the touchdown, I mean, the place just came apart. And I don't think anyone there could have asked for a better game. Even Oregon fans after the game were talking about, like, about how the, they got their money's worth, even if even since they lost. I mean, that's exactly how an opening weekend game should end. And I really think Oregon definitely should not hang their heads because they played a hell of a game. And both these teams are going to be in the playoff picture later this year. No, oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so did you make it down to Dallas in time to see College Game Day, or were you there a little bit later? Yes, I was at College Game Day. I actually... When you saw Bo Jackson on the bike, I was right behind the security guards um, when he was coming down the lane for college game day. And we got to see everybody on college game day pretty much other than Bo Jackson pick the Oregon Ducks. And Oregon fans are really feeling good about themselves. And they had a reason to because it was 21 to 6 in the third quarter with with no sight of any Auburn defense or offensive production at that point. No, yeah, and when I was leaving, you know, I I went to the LSU game this past weekend, um, and leaving the stadium, I walked out to see an Auburn team that you know almost looked defeated. I think it was twenty one six when I uh, finally walked out of that game, and and I was I was watching this game like, oh man, like uh, we had already given our predictions. We we both took Auburn in this game, and and I thought that I was going to have to eat my words there for a minute, but Auburn pulls out this win. Um, you know, a field goal could have sealed the deal. They were in field goal range when uh, Bo Nix throws uh, throws a strike to the end zone uh, to end this game to put a nail in the coffin. Yeah, and I, I, just a note, um, I really think that play was out of Auburn not trusting his kicker, Anders Carlson. He was two for three earlier in the game, missing, I believe it was about a 30, 40-yard kick Um just it was straight dead on and he just hooked it and he was two for seven last year with long field goals like it was going to end up being and I really feel like they felt like they had to take a shot to give them the best chance to win the game and Seth Williams has a history of making big plays over the smaller cornerbacks and when they saw he was matched up with the safety I feel like Bo Nix and Gus Malzahn both thought that was the best chance to win the game. Right. Nonetheless, we see an Auburn team who has come out strong this year. Uh, we we maybe see Gus Malzahn take a you know take uh, take a stand off of the hot seat for a moment at least uh, with this big win over Oregon. Yes, and he should have a chance to catch a few breaths. They have Tulane coming into Jordan Hare next week. Then they have Kent State. So um, Auburn should very well be three and zero headed into College Station when they take on A and M in Week Four. And we should find out a lot more about that Auburn team in that matchup. Right. Uh, and to kick off this uh, this college football season uh, with week one, we see Clemson take on Georgia uh, in Death Valley. And we see exactly what we expected from a Clemson team uh, with a 52-14 to 14 victory over the Yellow Jackets. Yeah. Um, this game, it the score looks like exactly what I thought was going to happen. But the way it got there is not what I thought was going to happen. Trevor Lawrence was not very sharp in this game. Only only going for 168 yards and having more turnovers than he had 
touchdowns with two interceptions, totally one passing touchdown. I believe he had a running touchdown too, but through the air, I expected him to be a lot sharper against the Georgia Tech team that historically doesn't have a super strong defense. Um, uh, but Travis Etienne is an absolute stud. 12 carries, 205 yards, and three touchdowns. And I believe he set the record for uh, the school record for the longest touchdown run when he scamped, when he busted out a huge run early in the game. And right. I, re- I really think Clemson is going to lean on him a lot to make those defenses be more honest with Trevor Lawrence. Yes, uh, I think that we see a little bit of shakiness coming from Trevor Lawrence this week. Uh, I can't help but think that this is maybe um, a Clemson team that's looking forward to a matchup with Texas A&M next week, maybe overlooking Georgia Tech uh, in week one. Um, you know, And that didn't stop Travis Etienne at all. I mean, he's looking like a Heisman candidate already at this point in the season. Um, and, and you mentioned the, the long run by the running back, but did you see the block that was set for him? Yes. The, the offensive line and even the wide receivers are absolutely studs when it comes to blocking. And I think a lot of people get lost in the fact of the talent of the running back or of the quarterback or wide receivers. But the people like if you really pay attention to a lot of these games, Clemson is so sound fundamentally that this is why this team is going so far right now. Right. Um, and I think that we see a strong Clemson defense uh, this week. Uh, you know, they allowed the two touchdowns. A lot of people are critiquing them over that. But I think people are um, are either not watching the game or they're just looking, you know, uh, strictly at the scoreboard. But those were seven points that they really allowed. They allowed those other seven uh, off of an interception from, uh, from Trevor Lawrence uh, that was returned to within the five-yard line. Yeah. I mean, if you look even in the – even in the first half, it was 28 to nothing at halftime. I mean, that defense came to play, and I think you get that a lot when, when you try to look through social media for opinions on games, is you get a lot of people who watched a quarter or two quarters and really don't, they didn't grasp like the full um, process of the game and what really happened. And you get a lot of people wanting to give hot takes. So I think, I think the Clips' performance got lost in a lot of, oh my God, look at Trevor Lawrence's two interceptions. Look at Clemson didn't shut him out or whatever you want to look at. But Clemson really dominated this game, and it, even, it could have been way worse than 52 to 14. No, they, I mean, they took their foot off of uh, off of the throttle for sure. Um, you know, this looks like a, like a playoff contender at this point in the season already. I mean, I know it's week one. I know they played Georgia Tech. Uh, their first true test will come next week uh, versus Texas A&M. Um, uh, and, and I really think that'll be a great game, uh, just as it was last year. Uh, I don't think either team runs away with that one, and we'll touch more on that with our uh, preview episode later in this week. Yeah, I mean, that's this is where if Trevor Lawrence comes out next week and has an even worse performance or about the same performance, Clemson could be in trouble next week, and we'll know a lot more about is it Trevor Lawrence has had a bad game, or is it now there's a lot of film and defense, defenses have a better idea of how to prepare for him? Right, absolutely. Um, moving on from this game, uh, we, we we're going to take a look at Wisconsin USF. Uh, Zach, I want to hear your thoughts on this on this matchup on this forty nine to zero win for Wisconsin. Yeah, um, uh, as most of you guys know, I picked UCF as my big upset of the week and. I literally don't think I could have been further from the truth on that one. 
Um, Wisconsin came out and, pl- and proved me dead wrong. Jonathan Taylor is a absolute Heisman candidate, and I completely underestimated him. 16 carries, 135 yards, and two touchdowns. The leading rusher for UCF had three carries for 17 yards. You cannot win a game like that. And um, if you listen to our last episode, I said the matchup to watch was the line of scrimmage with Wisconsin's offensive line versus South Florida's defensive line. And I said UCF had to win that matchup. And they didn't even come close to being competitive in that matchup. And I think that was the difference. Wisconsin dominated the line of scrimmage dominated the point of attack wherever the ball went and it was just a beautiful display and I gotta say I was completely wrong on Wisconsin and I think they really could be big 10 contenders this year absolutely um we see a very strong showing from Jonathan Taylor here you already read his stats I think that we saw a very poor uh showing from Blake Barnett South Florida's uh quarterback well Alabama quarterback turned Arizona State quarterback, turned South Florida quarterback, Blake Barnett. Uh, I actually didn't know that he played for South Florida until I was uh, until I actually watched the game. Um, when I watched the game, I was like, that looks like, is that Blake Barnett? And it, and it was. Um, didn't, did you know that he had transferred again? Um, I actually heard he transferred, but I didn't know he was the starter. Um, I figured, you know, once two schools got rid of you for not being able to play well, that the third school usually isn't the charm, and I figure <laughs> South Florida. South Florida usually has very athletic quarterbacks that can play football. They're winners, and I was very surprised they started him. Maybe they just. Maybe, I, I'm very upset that they didn't have anybody on the roster that could play better than him. I mean, uh, and they probably do. Um, in all honesty, uh, this may have just been you know a, a, a coaching decision. You know, they hear the name Blake Barnett. They. Maybe they heard, you know, well, they would have had to see him play, but maybe they heard uh, with Bama what kind of recruit he was because going into Bama, he, he was a he was a very highly rated recruit. Um, this game didn't show that. You know, he was he was 13 for 30 with 109 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, and I don't and I'm I don't want to have to pin all of that on him, but I think that, you know, that's just the kind of quarterback he is. You know, once he gets into pressure, uh, he kind of he, you know, he crumbles. Yeah, to have a primetime game in your home stadium and only manage nine first downs at 157 yards, that's unacceptable for any quarterback. I don't care if you have a true freshman quarterback to a fifth-year senior, which Blake Barnett has experience, as you just said, listed all the different schools he's been at. And I mean, this kid has had time to learn and prepare for this moment and to only – and to only lead the offense to 150-ish yards for the whole game is just kind of embarrassing for a D1 quarterback. <laughs> and to touch on that again, I mean, why transfer a third time? Uh, you, I mean, you go to a school, you don't start at quarterback, maybe you're beaten out. You transfer once, uh, try to get another chance to start. And if you aren't starting there, something has to start clicking with you, right? You have to understand that maybe you're just not that good or maybe – uh, maybe you should just you know focus more on other things, maybe maybe academics, but uh, to transfer a third time to a third Division one school, uh, it, it seems you know it, it seems a bit absurd. Yeah, I mean, it, based on this performance, I would have to say it's going to be a long year for South Florida, and these fans probably should start looking forward to next year. 
No, they can't be. Um, we did see a strong showing from Wisconsin's quarterback, though, Jack Cohen, uh, going 19 for 26, 201 yards and two touchdowns, uh, and he didn't even play a full game. Uh, we gotta we got to take a look at Graham Mertz uh, and what he could do. And, you know, and I'm, I'm going to hold true to my word from the last episode. I, I, tr- I really think Graham Mertz is the better quarterback in that system. Um, and I, I would love to see him get an actual chance to play at some point this season. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with that. The, the biggest thing for me was just the Jonathan Taylor being such a factor in the passing attack as well. I mean, the kid is just everywhere. He was their leading receiver this game as well with two receptions for 48 yards and two touchdowns on both receptions he got. I mean, that is just unheard of for a running back. And, I mean, I think he has an argument to be the best back in the country. And I think no matter what quarterback you put back there, this guy, this team will go as this guy goes. Right. Um, and, and this just follows a great tradition of Wisconsin's, uh, Wisconsin running backs who can – you know, light up the scoreboard. Who can uh, tear up the stat sheet? Who can, who can do it all? Um, and I think that this is supported by a great offensive line. Um, you know, supported by a great Wisconsin program, who year after year uh, do you know at least at least somewhat well. You know, maybe not always great, but it, it seems like they're always going eight and four. You know, and this is you know this is recently. Uh, historically, I mean, you see them going nine and three, ten and two, eleven and one, um, never winning a championship, but they always look strong, and that's usually on the back of their uh, running backs. Yeah, um, I just I don't really know what else to say about this team. I mean, they just they they literally came out and dominated from the first whistle until that clock hit zero, and. I, all I have to say is I was dead wrong about this matchup, and um, from now Eat those on, words. yeah, Wisconsin will be getting full respect from me. Jack Cohen, Jonathan Taylor, the whole the whole team will be getting much more respect. Um, moving on, we have a matchup that I don't have much to say about, um, and this is Boise State, Florida State. Uh, Boise State pulls off the upset, thirty six thirty one in Tallahassee. Yeah, I actually, so even though I was on the way to Dallas, this is one of the games I got to watch most of the game, and I'm just, just like you, speechless that Florida State gave this one away. It it just didn't make any sense how you score 31 points in the first half and then get shut out in the second half. What's more impressive to me is that both of these quarterbacks had a game. I mean, I mean Hank Bachmeyer for uh, for Boise State threw for 407 yards, uh, you know, with with one touchdown, one interception. Um, and Florida State's James Blackman threw for 327 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and Florida State still gets beat this game. Uh, those are those are crazy numbers coming from both sides, uh, and, and the score isn't even that high. I mean. I mean, I guess thirty-six, thirty-one. That's a, that's a sixty-seven. Um, I mean, that's a sixty-seven-point game. But uh, they, it didn't seem uh, like the offense was as efficient as it could have been. Yeah, no. I mean, well, you also had five turnovers between the two teams, and it doesn't make any. And Boise State actually dominated the time of possession this game. They had they do, they had the ball for forty minutes of the game. 
that, oh, that's crazy. I mean, that is insane to <laughs> to me. Like, and they put up over combined a thousand total yards. And oh. if it weren't for the and it, if it wasn't for the five turnovers, I mean, this game could have got up into the fifties and sixties. I mean, defense was not nowhere to be found. I mean, when your running back puts up has fifteen carries for one hundred and sixteen yards and a touchdown, like Cam Akers did for Florida State, there is no reason you should lose a game. No, absolutely not. Um, and unless you have anything else to say about this game, and like I said, I don't have anything to say. It's just it left me speechless. Um, any other thoughts on this one? Um, it left me speechless, and I really think this could just show that people thought Florida State hit rock bottom, but little did they know it's going to keep getting deeper. I mean, just the fact that you still have to play Clemson and people like Virginia Tech and everything like that, I mean, this team could be in for a super long season, and we'll get into more about this matchup in our hot seat talk. No, for sure. Um, and, and like you said, I, I think that this Florida State program, um, it's almost like an affair. It's it's going to get way worse before it gets better. Uh, and this may end up, you know, like we said, we're going to talk about it in the hot seat segment, but this may end up with a with a parting of ways for, for two parties. Um, moving on to... <laughs> to a game that we were both dead wrong about. We chose the winner correctly, but besides that, nothing else that we said was correct. Uh, so maybe we lost all of our credibility. Uh, this this Boise State-Florida State game put up great offensive numbers. This Ole Miss-Memphis game, how boring was this game? 15-10 uh, to 10 win for Memphis. I mean, this this is insane to me that Memphis managed two points in the second half. If you manage just <laughs> one safety in the second half and still win, that says a lot more about the other team than it does you. <laughs> I mean, that, that that just doesn't seem like if, if you told Memphis they would score two points in the second half and it would come in the late in the fourth quarter, they would have thought they were getting beat 50 to nothing. Zach, we sat here on, on you know, last Thursday when we were recording um, talking so bad, so poorly <laughs> on each one of these teams, uh, especially Ole Miss, um, about how bad their defense was, and then they only allow 15 points this game, and and it looks like the tables have turned, and their offense is just truly awful. Um, we look at we look at their true freshman quarterback Matt Corral uh, going nine for 19 with 93 yards. Uh, and this is a poor performance against a Memphis team, against an AAC team. I cannot wait for this kid to get thrown into SEC play because he's going to get absolutely buried by SEC. Yeah, and it's going to start next week, and they might lose to Arkansas next week. Oh, man, Arkansas looks bad, too. Yeah, Arkansas (laughs) almost lost to Portland State, but I still have more confidence in them than Ole Miss. Um, Because I'm not letting Ole Miss's defense off the hook. I believe that Memphis just didn't execute in the red zone and execute late in drives. Memphis still put up 364 yards with 22 first downs. I mean, their quarterback still threw for almost 200 yards, and their running back ran for over one for over 125 yards. They put up a lot of yards and moved the ball well, but they just could not put it in the end zone. And I think once they get their red zone offense or and getting that rhythm, I think Memphis will still have one of those great offenses, but I believe Ole Miss is in for a really, really long season. 
And I, I think the same about Memphis too. Um, this is a Memphis team that, I mean, they don't look great this season. You know, they came off of a of, off of a decent season last year anyway. Um, and, and this season, I mean, only putting up 15 points against an Ole Miss team that is obviously uh, struggling. Uh, I think this might be a long year for both of these teams. Um, one thing I'd like to touch on a little bit, um, I'm, I mentioned that. I mentioned that this uh, this combined score might break the scoreboard with how high it scores. Uh, <laughs> I think that we were all expecting you know a basketball type score, um, and we got fifteen to ten. Um, anyone who knows me knows that I've retired from gambling now. I don't do that anymore uh, until next week probably. But uh, I didn't. I, you know I didn't bet on any games this week, and I'm very glad that I didn't because this would have been one that I took the over on. And 25 combined points may have made my head explode. Yeah, they missed the over under by 40 points. Yeah, this this game was just gross in my opinion. Yeah, it was it was an ugly game, and if you're and if being an SEC team and and riding the back of teams like LSU, Auburn, Georgia, and Bama. Ole Miss needs to step up. You cannot lose 15 to 10 to an ACC team. No. It just is not acceptable for even if Ole Miss, Ole Miss is never is not really having big recruiting classes, but they should that, that team is more talented than that Memphis team and there's no reason that you should be a, a starting quarterback in the SEC and go 9 for 19. With less than 100 yards. No, I mean, that's inexcusable. Um, and to touch a little bit more on disappointing SEC schools, uh, let's talk about this South Carolina-North Carolina matchup. Uh, with North Carolina coming back to score 15 points in the fourth quarter to pull out this win against South Carolina. Yeah, so I was actually in Jerry World, and they were showing this game on the Jumbotron, and we got to watch the entire second half, and... I'm just here to say Sam Howell is a baller. That kid is going you that. to be a stud when he gets to be a second, third-year player. That kid can make every throw on the field, and he just has that it factor where he is not going to lose that game. No, um, and, and his numbers reflected that as well. I mean, he, he went 63% on, uh, on Saturday for 245 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Just lighting this game up all the way. Um, he, he's he's looking good. Yeah, I mean, he led North Carolina to 15 unanswered in the fourth quarter, and South Carolina was dominating this game at one point. I mean, it looked like they were going to run away with it at 20 to nine, and in the fourth quarter, Sam Howell just led two drives. They went 98 and 95 yards on both drives that they scored on. That is, and they outgained South Carolina 483 to 270 yards. North Carolina under Mac Brown is going to be dangerous in the upcoming years because this was his first game with a true freshman quarterback, and they they knocked off a decent SEC team that had hopes of competing in the SEC East this year. No, yeah, um, I, I think that I think that North Carolina will be a, um, a definite force in this ACC. Um, you know, in the ACC, uh, I think they're going to have to compete with teams like uh, like Clemson, like maybe if they can bounce back Florida State, um, like Miami. Uh, I don't see them being a serious force, but 
uh, I do think that Sam Howell has this potential. I do think this team, this whole squad, has the potential to uh, to be a serious player in this uh, in this conference. Yeah, um, I just South Carolina is going to be in for a big year with the news about Jake Bentley breaking his foot. I'm very, very worried about Will Muschamp this year and his job, and we'll get to that later. But um, I don't. I really think Jake Bentley was very important for the South Carolina's team's success. And as we were doing, as I was doing my SEC predictions today, I had to change a lot on South Carolina. No, for sure. Um, any other thoughts on this game? I think that I'm about wrapped up on that one. Yeah, other than just y'all keep it on next year's season opener, North Carolina versus Auburn in Atlanta. That is going to be one hell of a game. Um, and for anyone who hasn't figured this out yet, Zach is a uh, huge Auburn fan. Um, I mean, he he, can't, he just can't stop talking about it. We love him, but he can't stop talking about this. <laughs> yeah, man, um, but... So the last game that we're going to talk about today, or second to last, is the absolute biggest disappointment in the SEC, and that is talking about Tennessee, right? (laughs) The Tennessee Volunteers losing to the Georgia State Panthers that went two and ten last year. Oh my God! Listen, do you want to hear my notes verbatim? My notes verbatim on this game are: fire Jeremy Pruitt, hire Jeff Fisher, because it can't get any worse. I mean. Dude, I don't even care. They, they could, they, they just need to hire the Georgia State coach. It looks like because <laughs> he's got no talent whatsoever. His quarterback only threw for 139 yards, and they still won. I mean, this is a Tennessee squad that hasn't. I mean, this this, this whole program hasn't been good in the past decade. Um, you know, maybe a few years ago in 2016, they looked like they were going to have an up year, but I mean, even then they struggled. Um, I. <laughs> Like I said, and, and even underneath that note I just read verbatim, I have uh, I just have fired Jeremy Pruitt again. Um, th- this team has been a huge disappointment, um, I, and we'll 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 touch on this again in the hot seat segment. Yeah, dude, Georgia State scored 17 points in the fourth quarter. <laughs> that, that they did their quarterback did not throw for 150 yards. They did not have a hundred yard rusher. And their best wide receiver only caught for 43 yards, and they still won the game. That is, in Georgia State, they're they're not even they're not even FBS. They're an FCS team, right? I'm not. I think they I think they recently went into the Sun Belt like two years ago. They're in the same conferences as Troy, Appalachian State, South Alabama, Arkansas State. So they have, so they're they're on the up and up, but. Two and ten last year, and they come into they come into Tennessee's home stadium in Neyland Stadium, and just it it didn't make any sense. They put up three hundred and fifty two yards and and had twenty four first downs to Tennessee's to Tennessee's twenty one. It and Jerry Guananito threw for three hundred and eleven yards and two touchdowns, and they still didn't win the game. I do not understand how this is going to work in SEC play. Yeah, um, it, it, it's it's not. You know, Tennessee is going to uh, end up with the likes of of teams like uh, like Ole Miss. They're going to end up with the uh, likes of teams like Vanderbilt, who I think is actually better than Tennessee this year. And I'll touch on that again later. But 
uh, you know, to to recap this game, um, <clears throat> fire me, fire Jeremy Pruitt once again. Um, and I'd also like to apologize for any Sunbelt fans listening because I said that's not a thing. And while I do believe that, I would like to initiate an apology. <laughs> I mean, I, I think we're going to be – I don't even know if we're going to even be able to address Tennessee on this show throughout the season because this is going to be – this is going to be one of those years where someone's going to go in to look at the record books and they're not going to be able to find anything about this year. No, Tennessee is just, uh, they're just the team who shall not be named from here on out uh, until they win a game. <laughs> did you see what their Twitter account did? Just a side note. No. I... They tweeted about the touchdown in the, in the fourth quarter when they had the lead, the field goal in the fourth quarter with 12 Oh five left in the fourth quarter and they never posted a score update after that. And then the day after, they posted back to work with their matchup for next week. Uh, I, I'm going to do it. Are you ready for this? Tennessee's canceled. I'm not, we're not talking about Tennessee anymore. Um, moving on. We have Oklahoma-Houston. Uh, we have Oklahoma-Houston uh, with an Oklahoma win of 49-31. to uh, And I'm going to be the first to say it which I'm not the first to say, but I'll be the first to say it, that Lincoln Riley did it. Uh, Jalen Hurts looked incredible with three passing touchdowns, and not only that, three rushing touchdowns. Um, and I'm not sure if you finished the game off as their top rusher, but I do know that it, I think in the third quarter he was their top rusher um, with 176 rushing yards. He did finish as their leading rusher. He insane. finished with 16 carries, 176 yards, and three touchdowns. How crazy is that? And and, it, and these it, three passing touchdowns, dude. That's Jesus. Because he he, only, he, was, he went 20 for 23. He only missed three passes. He went 83 percent with the completion for 332 yards. Ah, uh, and and I, is it Lincoln Riley? Is he the is he the it factor? Or is this actually Jalen Hurts? I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, I watched this whole game. He looks so fast, dude. I mean, he like he ran a four three and so like I don't know if it was Houston speed <laughs> not being enough, but I like I saw him take off for the first time and I was like, where was this? Right. This doesn't even seem real. Like he looked like a dead like he could dead ass run a four three. No, it it's crazy, and I don't think that Houston's a bad team. Um, no, I I really don't. So I don't I don't I don't want to knock their speed or anything because they have a lot of talent on that team. Um, it, it, one thing I do want to touch on: Oklahoma allowing 31 points is absolutely ridiculous. There is no reason, but I don't know why I expected anything less. It's the Big 12 defense, um, and and to pull out an old quote here. They are who we thought they were. Their defense is non-existent once again. I thought that maybe they had progressed over the last season, over the off season, but it, it doesn't look that way. No, it, it it doesn't. And I think the only bright spot on that team is Kenneth Murray, the um, number nine, the linebacker. Um, out of he's a junior, a true junior, I believe. Thirteen tackles, half a sack. 2.5 tackles for loss. The kid was everywhere, and if he, I think he has a has a debate to be one of the best linebackers in the country, but he is just placed on one of the worst defenses in the country. No, yeah, um, and he is he's the one who uh, 
he's the only five star recruit to go to a to a non power five school. Is that right? Wait, no, he plays he plays for Oklahoma. Oh, sorry, um, sorry, yeah, sorry. He, yeah, yeah. No, he's still. I mean, he is just a stud. I mean, but I, I really just think that I also am curious to see them play against some like a opponent that doesn't have such a high power offense like Houston. I mean, because you because a lot of the points that Oklahoma gave up were late points that really didn't matter. I mean, they gave up fourteen in the fourth and. And in the first quarter, the, and they didn't give up any in the first quarter. It was twenty-one ten at halftime. So I think the defense is getting a kind of a bad rap. I mean, Houston just started airing it out in the second half, and the game was in the bag. So I really want to see them be in a close, tight game against someone like Texas, or you know, in the playoff versus like Clemson or Alabama or something like that. No, and I think we'd all like to see that. Um, you know, going into the season, and this isn't necessarily the case now, um, and that may change throughout the season, but going into the season, I wanted to see Oklahoma in the playoff because I wanted to see them finally dethrone Alabama. Um, I want, I, I really thought this team was that good this year, uh, but if their defense can't improve, I, I just can't see that uh, scenario playing out. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, I think the biggest thing, that I took away from this game was that once Dan Holgerson gets his players into Houston and gets his scheme in there, I really believe that this, this Houston team could reach the heights it did under Tom Herman. No, for sure. For sure. Um, and that wraps up our matchups of the week. Um, the way that we're doing this, at least the recap episode of the podcast for now, uh, we're going to split it into sections or into segments because, we, we listened to our last episode, uh, our preview episode. We heard that it was basically an hour of us predicting games, and we wanted to give the listeners something a little bit more appealing to listen to. Um, so we will talk about matchups. We will talk about the recap on matchups, but we'll also, um, for instance, our next segment that we're going to do is our top 15. Um, and this is basically just something to oppose the AP top 25 list that comes out every week. Uh, we'd like to give our own personal top 15 uh, in the country for teams. So I don't really know how we're going to do this, but we're going to wing it because um, we we each have our own list. So what we could do is we could count down from 15, um, and we could both give our picks for, for that number. Yeah, for sure. And also, um, so after this episode, our, each of our top 15s, our top 15 um teams and lists will be posted up on our instagram account that you can follow um in case you don't know we do we did launch an instagram um last week after the first episode was released you can find different things like our week our predictions each week when new episodes are coming out where to find new episodes and what to expect coming up in the podcast so it's just at the underscore blue buds um look us up you can type in the blue buds cfb podcast you can find us a whole lot of different ways, um, but we'll be posting new content on that all the time. Right. Okay, so let's go ahead and get this kicked off. Um, so at number 15, I'll go ahead and give my team. Uh, I've got Utah. Uh, I think that I think that they were number 15 last week or going to last week. Uh, the tough thing about week one is that we don't see too many losses in the top 25. Um and we don't really see too many great matchups, so 
it, it's hard to move teams around on this top 15 list for us anyway, or at least for me. Uh, I think Zach was teasing me, uh, telling me that he had made some pretty big moves in his. Yeah, I tried. So even if a team didn't lose, if a certain team looked better than another team, I moved that team up. Um, because a lot of the AP top 25 was set before the season. So a team that could be ranked number two and squeak by a win, if they didn't deserve it, if they didn't look like the second best team to me, they got moved down, even if they won. So for my number 15 team, I have Oregon, who was number 11 before they played Auburn. It's really not a steep drop, but it was a close game. And I think Auburn is a, dec- a decent team this year. So I don't think they should be punished for losing 27 to 21 in a neutral site game against another uh, top 20 team. No, yeah, and, and um, to be totally transparent here, we we were originally going to do our own top 25 lists, and we realized that that was way too difficult. Uh, so we we cut it down to 15. And on my original top 25 list, I had Oregon drop to 16, so they will not be on my top 15 list. Yeah, um, um, and. So- so for my 14 team, I actually have Utah, who you had at 15. Um, I was impressed with them. I think be, going to BYU um, on the road in in prime time on a weekday night was a was a good test, and I think they passed with flying colors. So I moved them a spot up to 14. Right um, at 14, I've got Penn State. Uh, they played Idaho this week. They beat them, I believe, 79-7. to uh, This is an Idaho team who's dropped from FBS to FCS in the past, I think, two seasons. Um, so, you know, the win's not you know, super impressive, but 79-7 to is 79-7. to Yeah. Um, uh, go ahead, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess we're doing a snake draft here. Uh, <laughs> at 13, I've got Notre Dame. Um, they are actually still playing right now. Uh, we're recording this podcast on Monday night. Uh, and to me, it looks like my prediction was kind of spot on here. Um, I said that they would win, but they would not cover the spread. When I said that, the spread was 22.5 points. Right now, with a minute left in the game, they are winning 35-17 to 17 against Louisville. That's They didn't look great tonight. So I've got them at... Um, I've got them dropping to 13 on my list. Um, yeah, I actually don't have, um, I actually don't have um, Penn State on mine, but at 13 I have Washington, and they were 13 last week. They destroyed Eastern Washington, which I'm pretty sure everybody expected, but I believe um, Jacob Eason is going to be a big X factor for this team, and I really think they're going to be them and Oregon are going to and Utah are all going to compete for a Pac-12. And if one of those teams can get out undefeated, which Oregon's already dropped out of that, so Oregon needs to win out regardless. I believe Washington and Utah could compete for a playoff spot if one of them can go undefeated. Right. Um, and so you've got 12 as well since we're doing, we're doing yeah. snake against. Yeah. <laughs> so at 12, I have Texas A&M who was also 12 in the last week's AP poll. And they beat Texas State 41-7 to at home on Thursday night. And I've, I've just kept them there. They look great. I didn't see any problems with them. We are going to find out exactly how good they are next week when Clemson comes into town and these two teams go head-to-head. 
Right. Um, at 12, and this is a team, if you listen to our last episode, um, I had a few obvious problems with Florida. I've got Florida dropping from number eight in the nation to number 12 in the nation this week, um, barely scraping by uh, a Miami team. I don't think either one of these teams are great. I honestly don't know, unless Florida can turn it around. Uh, I don't know that they – I honestly don't know if they turn it around and finish in the top 15 at all this year. Um, and then at 11, and you had them at your 13, I've got Washington. I think this is a great Washington team. Um, like you said, they played Eastern Washington this week, so not great competition. But I really do think that this Washington team has uh, the potential to do great things this season, um, especially – you know, playing all of their tough games at home. Uh, the only challenge they'll have on the road this season, I think, will be Stanford. Uh, but other than that, I think they kind of squeeze by this season, and I, I've i got them picked as my Pac-12 champions this year. Gotcha. Um, at my number 11, I have Florida. I'll also drop them from number 8 in the country. 24-21 over Miami. They should have probably lost that game if it wasn't for Miami's offensive line being the absolute worst offensive line in the country. <laughs> um, so I don't think Florida's going to be very good this year. We'll get into that later with my SEC predictions. And yeah. I really don't even think they they might not even finish in the top 25. Plug that. And so at number 10, I tried to be as, I guess, unbiased as possible. I have Auburn. Um, I think beating the number 11 team in the country in the neutral site and the only real big game of the week, I think jumping to 10 is pretty a pretty modest jump for the whole comeback win and being on the hype train for everything. So I believe Auburn stays at 10 for right now, and we'll find out more about how good they are as they play at A&M, at Florida, at LSU, and, of course, they finish off with Georgia and Alabama. Right. Um, at 10, I've got Texas A&M. Uh, great team. Uh, Jimbo Fisher has really gone in there and I think done great things for this for this program. Um, but like I, I mean, uh, you know, they didn't have a great matchup this weekend. But I think their true test, their first true test of the season, will be next week against Clemson. Um, and you know, we'll touch on that in our next episode. But I, I really think this will be a great game, uh, great one to look forward to. Uh, and if Texas A&M can pull this one out. They they really might have the potential to go all the way this season. Um, and with number nine, I'm staying in the state, and I'm going with Texas. Uh, you know, Texas had a great win this weekend over it was Louisiana Tech. Um, you know, not, a, not also not a great challenge, but uh, I think this is a Texas team who has a Heisman candidate quarterback, and uh, I think they deserve a spot in the top ten for sure. Yeah, so at my number nine, I also have Texas. Um, I, I agree with you. I, I really think this is going to come down to them in Oklahoma in the Big 12. I don't see anyone else really competing. I mean, you have Kansas with Les Miles who barely won their game against – I don't even remember who it was. It was a D2 team. It was ugly. You have K-State with a new coach with Chris Common. They're not going to be ready. Baylor's still – dealing with the ratifications of the whole scandal they had. I just think it's wide open between Oklahoma and Texas. And we'll find out a lot more about Texas in that Red River rivalry. Um, at my number eight, I have Notre Dame, who just completed the win as I speak. 
Um, I think as I, as if you listen to the last episode, I really think they're going to be a team that will be right on the cusp of a playoff berth. And I think Ian Book is going to be the X factor this year. So I'm going to keep them. At, I'm going to move them off a spot to number eight, mostly due to Florida's drop. They really didn't earn that spot up, but I didn't see anyone. I, I could really jump Notre Dame because I didn't get to see them play till tonight. No, and for the record, they did not cover. They won this game by 18 points. <laughs> Um, so you can come to me for any gambling advice in the future. Uh, and so at number eight, and this is coming as a true unbiased source because I am not an Auburn fan. Uh, Auburn takes number eight for me. Uh, I think that this was a very impressive team. Uh, I think that this was a very impressive win against a great Oregon team. Um, I don't know that Oregon wins the PAC 12. I, I don't even know if they end up in the championship, but, uh, I do think that they were a great team. Um, you know, this offensive line they have is, you know, nothing short of amazing. Their quarterback is still a Heisman candidate, still my favorite for Heisman. Um, and for Auburn to pull out this win in week one in Dallas, it, uh, it, it just it says numbers about the team. Um, at number seven, I've got Michigan. Um, and yeah, uh, I've, got, I've got Michigan. I don't have too much to say about that. You know, that's what they were ranked preseason. You know, they didn't show me any reason for me to move them up or down. Yeah, I also have Michigan at seven. They pulled out a forty to twenty-one win over Middle Tennessee, and I agree with you. I mean, I think they they handled the game. They won by enough where it looked impressive, just normal, and they didn't seem to struggle. But they really didn't. You know, they didn't do a Maryland beating Howard seventy-nine to nothing. So I think keeping them at seven is is the right move right now. And so at my number six, I have Ohio state dropping the spot, um, beating Florida Atlantic 45, 21. It was a little sloppy or win, but their drop isn't because of that. Their drop is because I'm very high on another team that was right below them. Right. Um, and, and this is kind of weird to me because we didn't look at each other's lists before this. <laughs> like I said, before we even started, um, uh, you teased me about your list, you know, having a couple of big moves on it. Um, at number six, I also have Ohio State. Uh, for, for the same reasons as you, uh, I've dropped them down. It's not because they didn't look great. You know, I don't think this is a team that's going to end up in the playoff this year. Uh, I could see them losing, you know, a few key matchups maybe even dropping a game to Michigan later on in the season. <clears throat> but at number five, I have LSU coming out and and just absolutely dominating Georgia Southern. Uh, this is a team that went 10-2 and last season in Georgia Southern. This isn't a bad team at all. Uh, they compete in the Sun Belt, who I said wasn't real earlier. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm still not retracting that. But, but um, LSU just came out and dominated. I mean, I, I thought that LSU had all the pieces from last season. Um except for their O-line. I thought their O-line play was a little shaky. Uh, and this season, you know, going up against Georgia Southern, I think that their O-line looks a lot better. Uh, they moved from a pro-style offense to this season. They're running a spread. And, man, I'm t- let me tell you something. Because I was in Louisiana all weekend, uh, and you could not turn on the radio without hearing the words, Coach Spread Ogeron. Uh so I thought I thought that was something I had to bring up. I thought that was ridiculous because oh. I, you know, and I'd heard the rumors about them being a spread offense this year, and I just didn't believe it. You know, growing up, I, and in full transparency, I grew up an LSU fan. Um, I still am. I was at their game this weekend. I'll be at their game, their next home game again in two weeks. Um, 
but I, I, I couldn't see it. You know, this team that I'd grown up watching uh, run a pro style offense with a fullback. Um, they still got their fullback from last season, uh, Tory Carter, but he's he's playing H back or blocking back this season. Um, and they are just letting Joe Burrow air this ball out all over the field. He broke a record. He broke an LSU record for five touchdowns in the first half of this game. Um, so I think this is a very impressive LSU team, and I'd love to see what they do later on down the line. Yeah. Um, so my number five team might come as a surprise. I have Georgia at number five. Um, they had a 30-6 win over Vandy on the road, even though it wasn't a road game. We all saw the pictures of you know it being completely Georgia fans. Um, I, I give Vandy a lot of credit. Vandy is a, decent, a very good team, but Georgia wasn't very flashy with their win. They didn't really show a lot. It, they should have won by more, in my opinion. Um, but their drop, again, just like Ohio State, is because there are some other teams that I'm way more high on that I think showed – a lot more than Georgia did. And Georgia still has a lot of games to prove how good they are later in the season. Right. So, and then number four will also come as just a gigantic surprise. Number three. Or, yeah, three, sorry. No, it's four. Oh, well, we're getting lost in the snake. It's okay. (laughs) No, it's four. Um, But, so at four, I actually have Alabama. Wow. Um, they they beat Duke forty two to three, but they could have played Georgia State, Georgia Southern. It doesn't matter. Duke lost Daniel Jones, their only decent good player. They had a they had a quarterback making his first ever start, and he just looked like a deer in headlights. And Bama got off to a very very slow start, scoring no points in the first quarter. Um, but their drop is not just because I'm a Melbourne fan. It is not because they didn't look impressive, because they definitely did. And Jerry Judy is the, might be the best college football player in the country. Um, their drop is due to the next two teams on my list. My next three things on my list being just absolute caught my eye, and I really think these next three teams have a chance to win the national championship. Right. Um, and my number four is Oklahoma. Um, and I've only got them at number four. You know, I would have had them a lot higher. You know, seeing this great offensive effort, but their defense is holding them back, I believe. And so I've got them at number four. Um, and to move things along, at number three, I've got Georgia um, beating Vandy 30 to six this weekend. Uh, I thought it was an impressive win. You know, and and like Clemson, I think that this this was a Georgia team that was kind of looking past Vanderbilt. Um, you know, their 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 fans really showed up in support. You know, in, in Nashville this weekend. But um, and this is a great Georgia squad. I mean, you, I mean they have Jake Fromm. How could they? How could they be bad? Yeah, um, my number three team was actually LSU. Um, as Brandon said, fifty-five to three win over Georgia Southern. I think Jake, uh, not Jake Burrows. Sorry, I, I think Burrows could be a sleeper Heisman pick. Um, I believe he. It might be the second the third best quarterback in the SEC, definitely third in my opinion. Um, I think that the new style of offense fits him a lot better. And I think Del Pitt, the safety for LSU, could be the best defensive player in the SEC and the country. Um, I really think LSU is going to shock a lot of people this year. And I think this could be the year that Alabama might get dethroned. And I think I think LSU is the best bet to do that. Um, and my number two team is Oklahoma. Um, 
I know their defensive struggles. They gave up 31 points to Houston. But as we, as I said earlier in the show, they still played a decent game. They have a star on the defense in the making. Um, and Jalen Hurts has that experience. He has that moxie. He is just a winner. But now with this win, he's 27-2 and as a starter throughout his career. This kid is the truth, and I think Oklahoma is going to make a deep run this year. Total 360 from Zach there um, from our last episode where Jalen Hurts was not quite as talented <laughs> as the other, as the best two Oklahoma quarterbacks. But uh, so, it, and, you know, my, my top two are going to be Chalk. Um, I've got Alabama at two, Clemson at one. These are two great teams. Uh, I just had no reason to move them from where they're at. I think that Clemson is still the greatest. I mean, I think they're the best team in the nation right now, and I don't even think it's close. Um, I, I think that this is a team that's a lot better than this Alabama squad. Uh, like Zach said, um, Alabama came out a little shaky. Uh, I, I got the, I had the opportunity to watch this from a bar pregame uh, before the LSU game started this weekend. Um, the, I mean, this was the loudest bar I've ever been in because everyone there hated Alabama. And so they they were they were so ecstatic when when Alabama hadn't scored any points by the end of the first quarter, um, you know. Of course, they came out to win forty two to three, but I thought it was a I thought it was a it could have been a lot better for Alabama um, and Clemson. They're they're Clemson, so that's my number one pick. Yeah, Clemson's also my number one. Until they lose or until they show that they're not the best team in the country, that they're not going to get moved in my list. No. Um, and moving on from this segment, so that was our top 15. In the future, we may end up doing a top 25. Uh, this week, it, it was a lot easier for us to do top 15, and I don't know that anyone would have wanted to listen to a top 25 anyway. Uh, so moving on, we've got the SEC ranked. Um, I don't think that this segment will always be the SEC ranked. I think that we can move on to other conferences, you know. Yes. Uh, but but for right now, I think that a majority of our listeners are going to be SEC fans. And so we'd like to focus solely on the SEC, at least at first. Um, and so we've gotten these, uh, we've gotten the two divisions within the SEC uh, broken apart, and we've ranked all 14 teams. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and let you get started on this one, Zach. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll start with the SEC East. Um, we made full season predictions, um, and so my predicted SEC East starts with Georgia at number one. Um, I have them going 11 and one. Um, I think they slip up along the way. I can see some of the inexperience and Jake Fromm losing, I, think, I believe, five of his top wide receivers from last year. Um, I still think they're the best team in the SEC East by a good margin, um, but I can see them losing a game along the way. Um, and then second, I have Florida, even though they didn't look impressive, the SEC East has the likes of Missouri and Tennessee and Vandy, and I believe Florida is better than them. I believe they lose a few games along the way. I have them going 10-2 right now, um, just based off that they don't have like a super hard schedule. And my um, third team is Missouri going 8-4. and four. They lost this week at Wyoming, which was a game that we could have talked about, but there's not, much to, there's not much to say about that. Um, you should never lose to Wyoming. Um, as an SEC team, but they also don't have that tough of a schedule. Um, their cross-divisional teams from the West, from the West are Ole Miss and Arkansas. So it's not like they drew an Alabama or an Auburn or 
or an LSU, they drew two of the easier teams. So I think that could really help them get to an 8-4 type season. And then I have Kentucky coming in at number four, going 7-5. and five. I just that since they lost Benny Snell, seven and five is where Kentucky is going to stay indefinitely. That's where they've stayed indefinitely for many years now. Um, my fifth team is South Carolina. Um, I have been going five and seven. I think the loss to North Carolina is going to spell some bad times for South Carolina. That is a game they needed. They have one of the toughest schedules in the country playing Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Texas A&M and Clemson. Um, th- that team, that was the game they needed to win to ensure they had bowl eligibility. So I actually have them missing a bowl this year. And then my to round out the bottom, I have Tennessee and Vandy. Neither of them are going to compete for a bowl game or compete for the SEC in, in general. Uh we talked about Tennessee losing to Georgia State. They have a tough game against BYU next week. They still have to go on the road to Florida and Alabama. It's going to be a long season in Knoxville. And Vandy, as we've all seen, just doesn't have the talent to compete week in and week out. They have a sleeper game against Purdue next week on the road. They still have to play LSU. They still have to play at Florida, at Tennessee, at South Carolina. Um, I just think that the bottom of the SEC East is the weak part of the division. No, yeah, for sure. Um, and and I'll be I'll be totally open and honest here. Uh, Zach did a lot more prep work than I did uh, on my list. I, I don't have I don't have records for these teams. Um, I hardly have reasons for these teams. But uh, at my number one in the East, I've got Georgia. Um, uh, I think this is I think this is a great team. Um, they honestly have a chance to win the SEC this season. Uh, if we don't see a great season from Alabama or if LSU doesn't pull through the way that we think that they may right now. Um, at number two, uh, I've actually switched this one up a little bit. I've got Kentucky. Uh, I know they lost Benny Snell last season, but I, I think this is a team that's still on the up and up. I think that they're trying to change the traditions over there in uh, in Kentucky this uh in the next few years, in the next few seasons. Uh, and this may be because they're a good team, or this may be just because I'm still upset with Florida. Um, I've still, I've got Florida at my number three team in the SEC East. Um, I, I, I can't say, you know, I can't say too much on this team. I think Felipe Franks is a very overrated quarterback. I mean, you read things about him, you know, or at least I did this off season about how great he was going to be, uh, how he was going to be a Heisman candidate, how he was going to be one of the best passers in the nation. And then we see him show up against Miami and just you know get shut down. Um, my number four is South Carolina. I think that they you know gave up a very important win on the season against North Carolina. Um, you know, this wasn't interdivision play or anything, or this wasn't even interconference play, but this was a rivalry game um, and the kickoff. And, and I think this is a, a game that could really shape their season. Um, and, and to lose this in the fashion you know, in which they lost is devastating for a team like this. Um, and number five, I've got Mizzou. I think the Mizzou has more potential uh, than they're showing um, with Kelly Bryant, the quarterback coming into the season. But, uh, you know, it's they <laughs> they lost a game against Wyoming this season um, or, or for the opening uh, weekend. 
Um, at number six, I've got Vandy, and that's just because I think that Tennessee is probably the worst team in the SEC right now. Uh, it, it's them or Ole Miss for sure. Um, I think Tennessee has a very bumpy road coming up. Yeah, I mean, I don't. We had pretty similar lists. I, I feel like everyone's kind of in agreement with the SEC East with. Uh, really and truly Georgia being the head of the pack and everyone else is kind of falling in line behind uh, and hitting right bottom with Tennessee, Vandy, and those type of teams. Um, but for the SEC West, I feel like it's going to be much more competitive. You have, I think, personally, four teams that can probably compete for a playoff spot this year. Um, and so I actually have LSU winning the West next year, or this year, sorry. Um, I have them going undefeated, actually. And I um, hope so. <laughs> I, can, I, can, I, I really can do. See, I can see them slipping up against, if they did slip up, I can see it being against Auburn. I can see it being against at Alabama. That's the biggest chance to slip up. But to go to Bryant, Denny, and have to compete in that environment, and it's going to most likely be a night game. Um, I can I can see those two matchups being a huge chance to slip up for LSU. Um, at number two, I actually do have Auburn, and since I predicted records, I'm not a homer. Oh, here we I go. Have, I have them losing two games this year to LSU and Georgia. Um, I think as I just said, LSU is going to win the SEC. In my opinion, um, they're just too good and. As we all know, um, Auburn can't win in Death Valley. It's just not possible. Um, haven't won there since 1999. Um, and I really think uh, Georgia is just that good. Um, as you heard, I have them winning the SEC East, and I think they're just that good. And so there's actually a tie for my next two teams, if I'm doing records, but I'll put the team that won the matchup ahead. I have A&M coming in third. Wow, <laughs> in the SEC West, dude, this is um, nuts. I have I have them going five and three in the SEC, but the reason they have a worse record overall record than Alabama is because I have them losing to Clemson. I don't have Alabama losing any of their non-conference games because they include the likes of New Mexico State and Southern Miss. They're not losing those games. Yeah, you watch um, your mouth. <laughs> I think um, I think A and M. Uh, actually upsets Alabama this year. Um, Alabama has to go to Kyle Field this year and play in that 12th man environment. And I think that's where Alabama slips up and loses this tiebreaker. And I have Alabama being tied with A&M going nine and three this year, losing to A&M, LSU and Auburn. I think they lose the two row games in the Iron Bowl and at A&M. And I just think LSU is the better team than Alabama this year. I think the youth, of their linebackers is going to come back to bite them. And I just, I'm not as hot on Tua as everyone else is. Um, I still believe Jared, Jared Judy is the best wide receiver in college football, and they just have playmakers everywhere. I just don't see them winning out again this year. And I just see LSU being the better team. And I just see them getting trapped into tough road matchups in A&M and Auburn. Um, after Bama, I actually have Mississippi State going like seven and five. They have a very, very easy non-conference schedule this year. Um, so they'll, they'll get a few wins um, on the road, but they still have to play the big games of Alabama, A&M, LSU, Auburn. They have a really tricky game against Kansas State for the third game of the year, even though I, pull, they, I think they pulled that out. 
Um, six, I have Ole Miss. It's only because Arkansas is in the division. I have Arkansas finishing last. Um, I think these teams compete for the bottom. Neither of them make a bowl game, but they're just going to fight it out for whoever finishes last in the SEC West. Yeah, um, and in my list, uh, go ahead and call me, I guess, you can call me Chalk if you want, because I've just got, <laughs> I mean, and like I said, I did I did very little research. Um, I'm more of a heart guy than an analytics guy, uh, and so, uh, at number one, I've got Bama, um, and, and this is coming from an LSU fan, you know, I think that, I think that Alabama is the best team in the SEC, and I think they've been the best team in the SEC for a decade now, um. Uh, as an LSU fan, you know I can't be too hot on our own team, and so I'm going to go ahead and sit uh, sit Bama on the SEC throne for this season. I think that they win the championship. Um, I've got LSU coming in second. Um, I really do think that this team has pulled everything together. Um, their defense is still immaculate. Their offense is looking great with this offensive line, but I want to see them test it before I uh, before I actually uh, put any strength behind that comment. Um, at number three, I've got Auburn. I think Auburn has a really great season this year. Um, I don't think that they can pull out a win against LSU in Death Valley. Uh, like you said, they haven't won against LSU in Death Valley since 1999. But uh, I could honestly see them pulling uh, pulling an upset against Georgia this season. Um, I do think that Georgia is that good, but this is just the kind of team that we see with Auburn year in and year out. Um, it. Things kind of seem like they're up in the air. Um, they could win at any moment, I think. Um, coming in at number four, I've got A&M, which is a great team. And like you said, you you have uh, you said that your four top teams in the SEC West could honestly compete for playoff spots. And uh, you know, I would I wouldn't necessarily say that, but I do think that these four teams are the best teams. Or well, all four of them are uh, in the top five in the SEC for sure. I think that these are four teams that could end up in the top 10 by the end of the year. Um, at number five, you know, we're taking a steep drop here. I've got Mississippi State. Um, you know, over the past few seasons, at least since 2016, we haven't seen Mississippi State do huge things. But I do think that they're going to be a decent team. Like you said, their um, they're out-of-conference play this season is, you know, they're, they're playing absolutely nobody. <laughs> I mean, they're playing Kansas State with the third game, but other than that, I mean, they, they don't have a tough schedule by any means. Uh, I think 7-5 to five is fair for them. Uh, at 6, I've got Arkansas, and 7, I've got Ole Miss. I, I don't think either one of these teams are uh, really pulling their weight in any way, shape, or form. No, definitely not. And, I mean, that's those are the type of teams that give other conferences a thing to say about the SEC and their their idea of the SEC is really not that strong and the SEC is just Bama and Georgia, even though there's teams like LSU, there's teams like Auburn, there's teams like Florida who have talent and if they put it all together can compete for a national championship. No, and and, and so you know, to add a comment to that, I think that though that is why people are so low on the SEC. Um you know, they they think the SEC isn't as great as it once was. Um, but I'd be willing to say that the SEC, or at least the top teams in the SEC, are better than the top teams in almost any other conference. Uh, of course, you've got Clemson, but uh, you've got Clemson in the ACC. You've got uh, Washington in the Pac-12, Oregon in the, Oregon in the Pac-12 even. Um, I mean, Oklahoma and Texas in the, in the Big 12 um, 
Ohio State, Michigan, and the Big Ten. But really, I mean, you look at the depth in the SEC. I mean, you have Bama, LSU, Auburn, A&M, Georgia, um, and Florida in, in recent years even. So, I mean, those you know those five or six teams I think are better than the top five or six teams in any other conference in the nation right now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, from top to bottom, I just don't see another conference that has the firepower that the SEC does. I think the Big the Big Ten has a group of teams at the top that can really compete, um, but I just don't think it's as strong as um, you know the SEC. I mean, because I, I think you have Wisconsin, you have Michigan State, you have Michigan, Ohio State, Iowa, and Penn State. I still think Nebraska's on the up and up. I think people are really high on them, but they still haven't. They still haven't. Um, I guess what I want to say is put it all together. They have a lot of hype behind them, but they barely scraped by beating South Alabama this weekend. So no, I don't no. think I don't think they're there yet. No, and they're everybody's dark horse to win the Big Ten in the season, or at least the Big Ten. I think they're the Big Ten East. I think they they're everybody's dark. I mean, but that's because I mean, who really plays in the Big Ten East? I'm sorry, West. Uh, the Big Ten East is the is the division with Ohio State, Michigan, um, Wisconsin, and then you've got the Big Ten West, who is uh, Nebraska, Iowa. Um, anyway, so uh, moving on from this segment, we've got hot seat. Uh, you know, I've got a, I've got a handful of hot seats I'd like to discuss. Um, and Zach sounded like he had a lot more, so let's go ahead and get uh, started with yours. Yeah. Um, so I think. Like I'm pretty, I might be stealing the thunder. I do think USC's head coach Clay Hilton could be on the outs. Yeah, I mean, um, this season uh, with you know their starting quarterback going down with an injury, I think that could be. I I really think USC thinks that Urban Meyer would be a real strong possibility to come there. So I could see them just jumping the gun and firing Clay Hilton. Just in the hope that Urban Meyer comes to um, USC to help them out. Yeah, and, and to add to that, I think that um, I honestly I think I've changed my mind about Urban Meyer uh, over the past few weeks. I do think that he'll end up coaching again, um, but I don't think that he's putting on a facade right now. I really truly think that he thinks that he's retired, like he's done for, like he's finished with college football. But once a team like USC uh, reaches out to him and he sees that he can go into the Pac-12, into a, a, pr- a fairly weak Pac-12, and turn around a program like USC, I think he'll be all over that. And I think that he will be USC's head coach um, in the next year. I think that starting the 2020 season, he'll be uh, the head coach in Southern California. I completely agree. And I also think you have um... – you have Matt Luke at Ole Miss looking over his shoulder. I think, I think the Ole Miss has taken a super super steep drop in talent since the Hugh Freeze departure, and I think you have a lot of people in Ole Miss that got a taste of success, and they're not going to stand for these horrible seasons where they're not beating Alabama, not competing in the SEC for championships, even though they got those recruits. Illegally, I guess you would have to say, um, and we all we all know what Ole Miss has been outside of Eli Manning and Archie Manning, and I don't think it's possible. I think they have a a, a warped outlook of what Ole Miss could be, 
And so I think they're going to, if Matt Luke doesn't make a bowl game or even might, it might even have to win eight, nine games. Um, he could be on the out, especially after losing to an AAC team on the road. No, I, and I completely agree with you. Um, to stay in the conference and to put another coach on the hot seat for a minute. I, and, and I was joking with my notes earlier about Jeremy Pruitt, but I really do think that if he cannot turn the season around for the, uh, for the Tennessee volunteers, that he is in serious trouble and that he may actually end up being fired by the end of the season. I agree, but we also have to put it in perspective that he's still his only second season and that Nick Saban lost to um, Louisiana Monroe in Tuscaloosa his first season in Alabama. So I think I think he stays off the hot seat for a year, but if next year they don't make a bowl game and they start losing to teams they shouldn't, like Georgia, like Georgia State, I think next year could be the reckoning where they call him and say, hey, you have no job. Right, right. I also think we have to talk about Willie Taggart at Florida State. Uh, that cannot be sustainable. That relationship is toxic. Um, I mean, that's that is an abusive relationship down in down in Tallahassee. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude, I, I, I agree with you. Um, I think it's a funny way that you worded it, but uh, no, I absolutely agree. Um, uh, going from a coach like Jimbo Fisher. Uh, to this now at Florida State, going from a winning tradition, uh, even making the playoff in 2016, uh, to now, I mean, just losing record after. I mean, it looks like they're about to have another losing record this season after the first week. Um, I don't, I don't, you know, I can't see him keeping his job. No, and I, I don't see how you let him keep his job. Um. And I believe one more hot seat that is really controversial is um, is Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. Yeah, I'm going to touch the mic right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know they're a top 10 team right now, but if he loses to Ohio State again and they miss the playoffs, I mean, you hired him and you're paying him the second. I th- he's right behind Nick Saban in salary. And he can't beat Ohio state ever. No, but do you really think, I mean, he's Jim Harbaugh though. Uh, I don't, I don't know where Michigan can go besides Jim Harbaugh. I mean, but you, you got to lower his salary or something. Then you can't just be paying (laughs) this out, out, like just these out of exuberant amounts of money just to be mediocre. You can save. Um, no, uh, and I agree with you. Uh, I don't realistically, I don't see them restructuring a contract with him. I definitely don't see them firing him. Uh, I think it, I think changes have to be made. Um, there's some kind of block in his mind though, that he cannot beat Ohio state. He has to overcome this. Um, I don't think that he's close to being fired, but I mean, it, uh, if another three, four seasons go by and he cannot beat Ohio state, there, there may be something that has to be done about that. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, he has no excuses anymore. He has the experienced O line. He has the he has the senior quarterback in Shea Patterson. Oh, he has Shea the defense so so bad. He has he has the defense like he has a a first year head coach at Ohio State with a transfer quarterback. There are no more excuses for Jim Harbaugh. He it is playoff or bust in my opinion for him. All right. Uh, any more hot seats for you? 
No, I feel like those are the big ones. And more, like, as everyone knows, more can develop throughout the season. There are teams that could hit a wall and just fall off the cliff. And we could just be talking about someone who might be off the hot seat. Someone like Gus Malzahn, who also might, if he goes to A&M and loses, and loses to Florida and loses to LSU, and they find themselves 5-3, and three, Gus Malzahn could easily not make it throughout the season. Right. No, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, moving on with our last segment of today's show, uh, we have our playoff picture. Um, and these will be our top four teams. I mean, this will be our playoff prediction for the end of the season. Um, this will be another recurring segment, something that we do every week um, as teams change, you know, as teams lose, as other teams win. Um, our playoff picture will be shaped. But starting out this season, uh, we've chosen four teams each that we think are in the playoff. And uh, they may not be concurrent with our top four and our top 15 list, as confusing as that may be. Yeah. Um, so I was so I would say my four teams right now, I have I had my preseason ones, but they kind of changed a little bit based on what I saw. I would have Clemson in there from the ACC. I don't think an ACC, the ACC champion is not going to be in the playoffs, in my opinion. That's a conference that is not going to be left out of the playoffs. Um, I also, I'll then for my second team, I have LSU in there. I just said I think they go undefeated and win the SEC. An undefeated SEC champion is also not being left out of the playoffs. Um, for my third team, I have Michigan. Even though I just got done saying John Harbaugh is on the hot seat, I think he does beat Ohio State this year. I think Michigan makes a statement and they get into the playoffs and Jim Harbaugh saves his job for my fourth team is a little different from my preseason predictions that I've had just my opinion on. I think Oklahoma gets in as the fourth team. They win the big 12 and they get in. And my first two teams that are out of the playoffs are Alabama and Washington, who I think is going to win the PAC 12 as of right now. Right. Um, in my playoff picture, what I've got, um, I've got mine ranked, and I've got my top, I've got my two out. Uh, with number one, I have Clemson. Um, you know, as I've said throughout today's episode, they're Clemson. Um, you know, they've they've been in the playoff for the past three seasons, um, and I don't think that this is going to stop anytime soon. I mean, this is a team with a sophomore quarterback. I mean, their freshman quarterback last season, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, led them to this playoff. Um, you know, they lost those big four on their defensive line in the draft last season. But I think this is a team that pulls it out. Uh, I think they end up with the number one seed overall in the playoff this year. Uh, with my number two seed, I've got Georgia. I think that Georgia wins the SEC this year. Um, the SEC champion is definitely not being left out of the playoff. Uh, we've seen in the past, you know, two teams come from the SEC, even two teams in the national championship. And so I think that Georgia comes in at number two. Um, and number three, and this is my, this is this is kind of a surprise. This is just something that I, you know, I said I'm a heart guy, not an analytics guy. Um, I've got Wisconsin at three. I think that Jonathan Taylor can really pull this team to where they need to be. Um, I think they end up winning the Big Ten this season, um, coming out ahead of Ohio State and Michigan, and they earn themselves a spot in the playoff. And with number four. I've got Washington, so I've got my Pac-12 champion in there as well. 
Um, I think that Washington's a great team. Uh, like I said, they have a very easy uh, schedule this year. or Not necessarily easy, but their home schedule is what makes the, a world difference. I mean, they've got um, they've got Oregon at home. They've got uh, I think they have USC at home. Uh, you know, I think that most of their heavy competition is going to be played at home with Stanford still being on the road. Um, but I don't think that Stanford's really going to stand a chance against this Washington team. Um, with my two teams out, I've got LSU uh, as my number one out. Uh, maybe a little biased, maybe not. But I think LSU really has pulled it all together this, uh, this season. And I think that they are my first team out for sure. Um, and my second team out, I've got Oklahoma. I do think that Oklahoma is a very talented team. I think that they are um, almost worthy of a playoff spot. Uh, Jalen Hurts may end up in this in this Heisman conversation by the end of the year. But I think that their defense loses this for them, and they will not make the playoff this season. Yeah, and I, I can see a lot of that happening. And with the first week, it's always hard to make playoff predictions. It's hard not to overreact because you really don't know what everyone is made of outside of – I think the only two teams we know more about than we did last week, honestly, is Oregon and Auburn because um, they played – very they played a very good game in Dallas and both of them were very talented teams um I easily could be overacting to LSU just playing you know Georgia Southern and I could be totally underestimating Alabama just because they played Duke and you don't know really what Houston is so you really don't know how to feel about Oklahoma but next week with some big matchups like LSU and Texas and A&L and Clemson we will find out a lot more about a lot of these top teams in the country and whether they are pretenders or contenders for the college football playoff. Right. Um, and that wraps up our recap episode for week one. Uh, we'll be back later on this week. We are shooting for Thursday that we're going to release this episode. It may end up being Friday like last week or Thursday night. Um, you know, we, we are going to try to do everything in our power. Um, like, I, like I mentioned in the last episode, we're both students. Um, we both have lives outside of this podcast, but we are going to try to do everything in our power to have this podcast up and running uh, very consistently here in the future. Um, it was kind of tough this weekend with Labor Day uh, coming on and both of us being out of town at games, but we will try to have a more consistent podcast schedule and we'll have these podcasts out uh, preferably on <laughs> Sunday or Monday and Thursday or Friday of every week. Um, yeah, and also be on the lookout for new Instagram posts constantly. Um, a lot of the stuff we'll be talking about, especially predictions and things like that, um, I will be, well, me or Brandon will be posting it on the Instagram that we have. Um, last week we posted our week one predictions. After all the games, I'll make sure you, you keep up with how we're doing during the season. Um, you know, hopefully, I don't take another forty-nine to nothing loss like I took this week. I'm undefeated so for the record. <laughs> so hopefully, I'll gain back some credibility with you guys. But um, just be on the lookout for that, and make sure to follow us and um, keep up to date with everything going on with the podcast and in college football. Right, um, and this one may come back to bite me in the near future. Uh, this isn't even anything that I've discussed with Zach yet, but one thing that I am looking to get up and running, uh, Zach and I record this remotely, so we will not both be on this simulcast, 
but hopefully in the near future we will have a simulcast up and running on YouTube. That way we can interact with listeners. Um, we can to maybe touch on subjects that uh, that our listeners have to give us instead of just running through the same things that we think is interesting. Maybe we can have some input from uh, from the people actually out there listening to this podcast. Um, so watch out for that in the near future. We'll post that on our Instagram if we do get it up and running. And um, I think that's a wrap. So we will see you guys again later this week.